Hello, and welcome to Episode 3 of Local Food Rules, presented by the Local Food Forum newsletter and soon-to-be website. Local Food Forum is the news source for people who want a healthy, more sustainable food system based on delicious, locally produced food in the Chicago region and beyond. Visit localfoodforum.substack.com to read articles and to subscribe. Now, here's this episode's Watson season tip. Strawberries, the first fruit treats from our regional farmers to hit the spring markets. They first appeared in late May. It has been a great strawberry season so far. Abundant, and every batch I've bought from several different producers has been plump, juicy, and delicious. But strawberry season tends to be short, so if you want your share, you should get out there soon. During my visit to the June 6th opening day for the Soar Farmers Market in downtown Chicago, more about that in a bit, I got my first English peas of the season from Nichols Farm and Orchard, located in Marengo, Illinois, and a mainstay of our local farmers market community for more than 40 years. Also, there are still huge piles of asparagus on farmers market tables as we await the bounty of the summer's peak season. Now to change the subject a bit, Local Food Rules congratulates the Chicago culinary artists who won medallions at the James Beard Foundation Award Ceremony, held right here in Chicago on June 5th. The very first award of the night for emerging chef went to Damar Brown, chef de cuisine at Virtue, a restaurant located in the Hyde Park neighborhood and based in Southern and Black cooking traditions. It is an extraordinary achievement for Virtue, whose owner and executive chef, Eric Williams, received the Best Chef Great Lakes Award just last year. And that Best Chef Great Lakes Award remains in Chicago's hands, won this year by the married couple of Timothy Flores and Jeannie Kwan, owners of Kasama, an all-day restaurant located in East Ukrainian Village, which features their modern take on the food of the Philippines. These award recipients not only represent the excellence of the food in the Chicago region's world-class culinary community, but also its diversity. Cheers to the winners and all of our region's other nominees. Now, one of my favorite sayings is that food is in Chicago's DNA. The city was born because of its location at the base of Lake Michigan that made it a perfect transport hub shipping the bounty of Midwest farms to the big cities out east. Chicago grew to essentially invent the industrialized food system, and today it is a hub for businesses and advocates, like me, who work for a better, healthier, and more sustainable food system. It's only right and necessary for food to play a major role in producing economic stability and growth in the city's under-resourced communities, mostly located on the south and west sides which is why Local Food Forum writes at every opportunity when we see food doing good things in these areas. So I'm sharing a couple of stories about farmer's markets, one on Chicago's west side and the other on the far south side. The Town Hall City Market in the Austin neighborhood on Chicago's west side has always had the potential to play an important role in addressing the food access and service deficits for a community long affected by economic decline and above average crime. But the market, part of the public Chicago City Markets program, did not blossom despite the efforts of previous managers. As the farmer's market season approached, the city needed a new market manager. And in hiring via Lard, they found the trifecta of someone with deep roots in Austin, experience in food service, 
and a high energy determination to take the Austin Town Hall market to previously unseen heights. The Austin Town Hall City Market kicked off its season this Thursday, June 8th, from 1 p.m. to 6 p.m. at 5610 West Lake Street in the part that houses Austin's historic former town hall building. There is some interesting history about the building. Before the city of Chicago annexed Austin in 1899, the community was the seat of suburban Cicero Township. It is worth a visit just to meet Via, whose enthusiasm is infectious. This is not her homecoming because she never really left. Quoting Via, I am an Austin girl. I tell people I'm from this dirt. I was born and raised here. It's ingrained in me. I get it. I have graduated from schools in the area, went off to college, and then came back. It was in Austin that Via started her food business, Two Sisters Catering, which later took up residence at the Hatchery Food Business Incubator in East Garfield Park. She opened a brick-and-mortar location in Austin in 2021, but concluded quickly that it would not be financially successful and closed it. Though she had more than a decade as a food entrepreneur behind her when she was contacted by Chicago City Markets about the manager opening at Austin Town Hall Market, Via was initially concerned that she had never run a farmer's market before. But she came around to the idea, I can do this because I approach it as if it's a big catered event, a big vendor fair, Via said. I've put on many of those. You know how many events, how many weddings I've orchestrated. If I can orchestrate weddings, all those moving parts, and go in and design the room, and design the food, and design the staff to work it, I could do a farmer's market, she said, adding, and it's my backyard. The immediate challenge she faced is that she was only officially hired as of April 8th, and has had to scramble to recruit vendors and other market participants. In order to make this work, Via has put two sisters catering on hiatus until the market season ends this fall. I had to come in running. I haven't sat down for a day since I've been hired, she said. I've been running to talk to people to get in. The thing is, so many people are already locked and loaded in other markets. So it's like, how can I get enough people, enough vendors to do this market and find enough activity? Adding a degree of difficulty is that bigger farms that are household names in the farmer's market community are not apt to take on smaller markets with a history of very modest attendance. She is offsetting that by seeking vendors who either have never sold before at farmer's markets or food businesses that have struggled since the COVID pandemic, quoting her, that are willing to give the market a try to see if they can get in front of a new audience of people. She is also recruiting service providers who can provide information about key issues such as health, nutrition, and child care. She noted that there are two nearby centers for seniors who could benefit from access to the healthy foods that will be sold at the market. She said, the farmer's market is not just food. It's about all the things that make people attending feel like this was a great experience. You get to feel special because vendors get to know your name because you come out. And when you come up, they say, oh, hey, Martha. Hi, Sam. That makes people feel invested. And that's what I'm about. Via grew up in Austin, now 75% Black and 17% Hispanic, according to the 2020 census, was more demographically diverse and economically stable. She hopes the Austin City Town Hall market can be the spark that encourages more people from outside the community, including the relatively affluent suburb of Oak Park, just across Austin Avenue, to not treat Austin like a stranger. I've worked this market as a vendor before, and it was just basically Austin, a few people off the south side, she said. But this time I said, can we open the doors? We're all Chicago strong, even if we're in the suburbs. We'll be toasting to the market's success 
and plan to visit soon into the season. While attending an event last week about U.S. Department of Agriculture urban ag programs, I learned about an exciting new farmer's market on Chicago's far south side. The Urban Agriculture Department at Olive Harvey College, part of the City Colleges of Chicago, is opening Olive Harvey College's farmer's market at 10001 South Woodlawn Avenue in the Pullman neighborhood. The market will be held on selected Fridays from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. beginning June 9th. To give vendors an added incentive to participate, the market will provide each with a 10-foot by 10-foot tent, a setup table, and chairs. This market opening is one of 23 added to our schedule lineup this week, the last big surge, as most markets are up, running, and preparing for the summer peak season. You can view the weekly market schedule every Monday in Local Food Forum with a weekend market reminder on Fridays. Go to localfoodforums.substack.com slash to find them, or better yet, get you a freed or paid subscription, and all of this good stuff will pop up right in your inbox. Of course, I've been making the market rounds myself. On Tuesday, June 6th, I enjoyed one of my most awaited season openers. Local Food Forum is a level playing field for all of the Chicago region's farmers markets. I do have personal favorites, though, and not surprisingly, they tend to be fairly close to where we live in the Lakeview neighborhood. One of these is the Soar Farmer's Market. That's S-O-A-R. Now, the first question you might ask is, why the heck is it called Soar? It's because it is located in the downtown Chicago neighborhood of Streeterville. Soar is the acronym for Streeterville Organization of Active Residents. This market is an interesting mix of farmer's market personalities. On the one hand, it's about as urban as it gets. It's located on the plaza in front of the Museum of Contemporary Art, and very close to Michigan Avenue's Magnificent Mile, the historic water tower, and the 875 North Michigan Avenue skyscraper, better known from its previous incarnation as the John Hancock Building. Yet once inside, the Soar Market has a strong vibe of a neighborhood market that happens to have a great lineup of vendors, most of which are familiar from the region's larger markets, talking about Nichols, Ellis Family Farms, Smith's Farms, Finn's Ranch, Phoenix Bean Tofu, River Valley Ranch, Benison's Bakery, no relation, and more. I'd actually only heard about the Soar Market prior to 2020. I was a regular at Green City Market in Lincoln Park and also worked in an office clear across downtown for several years, which rather ruled out a farmer's market stop on the way to work. But the onset of COVID forced Green City to forego its Wednesday market through 2020, and Soar, a quick hop on the 146 or 151 bus, became my midweek market mainstay. I came to like it so much that I returned frequently in 2021, also the year I started publishing Local Food Forum, even after the other midweek markets returned to their usual schedules. And I was happy to return on this year's opening day, accompanied by my wife, Barb. Now, I mentioned earlier that I grabbed a bunch of -of first-of-the-season English peas. I do almost all the cooking at home. And because of my proclivity to hand-cut everything, Barb and I have a running joke about how I am part food writer and part Amish housefrau. Nonetheless, there is really some zen in the process of shelling peas. Maybe I can get Barb to video me shelling and put it into local food form.
Now, some people scoff when I tell them that shopping at farmer's markets is a big part of my job, but I take my obligation to be present very seriously, and I'm there no matter what, even when I'm crazy busy, as I was the first weekend in June. On Saturday, June 3rd, I attended two excellent chef panels associated with the James Beard Foundation Awards, one on food access and sustainable communities, and the other titled Who's Watching the Kids, produced by The Abundance Setting, the local nonprofit that works to promote better and more family-friendly working conditions for women in the culinary industry. The Chicago chef community was very well represented on these panels, and the discussions were informative and inspiring. I have more to say about these programs in upcoming issues of Local Food Forum and the next episode of Local Food Rules. Then that Sunday morning, I attended a marvelous brunch saluting the James Beard Award nominees put on by the Nyman Ranch Company. Although owned by a big food company for a number of years, Nyman Ranch has maintained its focus on sustainable and humane livestock production. I'll have a roundup of this event later, too. Would these events stop this market maven from making his appointed weekend rounds? That's a nope. Before heading down to the loop, on that Saturday, I swung by the Lincoln Park Farmer's Market, which, with the addition of more seasonal vendors, has expanded its space in the Lincoln Park High School parking lot. Then I walked to Green City Market in Lincoln Park before heading home. Photos of the huge turnouts for their Saturday markets that I've taken for local food for may be getting a little redundant, so I skipped it this time. My combined market haul included radishes, asparagus, and spring onions from Los Rodriguez Farm in Eau Claire, Michigan, strawberries from Stover's Farm, Berrien Springs, Michigan, a bavette steak from Cut Once, Chicago, eggs from Finn's Ranch, Buchanan, Michigan, and ground pork and bacon from Jake's Country Meats, Cassopolis, Michigan, heirloom tomatoes from Copian and Sons, Huntington, Indiana, and kimchi from Pickle Prince, Chicago. On Thursday, June 1st, I dropped by the opening evening for the South Loop Farmer's Market at Grand Park. It's actually just across the street from Grand Park on the southeast corner of Michigan Avenue and Roosevelt Road. The Grand Park Market is in a relatively small space and with a nice turnout for opening day, it was a little crowded in spots, especially where prepared foods were being sold. It was dinner time after all. But there was plenty of farm fresh food, including the spring onions, radishes, cucumbers, tomatoes, strawberries, and rhubarb from my friends at Los Rodriguez Farm, Eau Claire, Michigan. Zeitlin's Delicatessen's bagels are some of the best in town. If you catch them on a day when they have bialis, they are some of the best I've had, and I'm a Jewish kid from New York. I was pleased to run into my friends from Fresh Picks, based in Suburban Niles, which has been doing farm-to-home local food deliveries since 2006. Local Food Forum on May 24th reported on Fresh Picks' new meat subscription service, Pasture Picks. I'll have more to say about that in a minute or so. Entertainment at the market was provided by a jazz-centric band of seasoned musicians, and my modest market hall was baba ganoush from Mezzi Table, Chicago, asparagus, strawberries, and hothouse heirloom tomatoes from Los Rodriguez Farm, and sesame bagels from Sightland's Delicatessen. Now back to Pasture Picks. Fresh Picks, based in the Chicago suburb of Niles, was a pioneer in farm-to-home food delivery when it was founded by the husband and wife team of Irv Cernowskis and Shelley Herman in 2006. Meat produced in the region by small livestock farms was always on the product menu. Now under the leadership of CEO Benjamin Harrison, who bought the company from the original owners in 2021, Fresh Picks is taking its meat program in a new direction with the subscription service called Pastor Picks. 
Ben, a local Food Forum subscriber, describes pasture picks as similar in nature to the national meat delivery companies, such as ButcherBox, but with major distinctions. It is quite different in the sense that it is entirely local, it is completely transparent, and it is all directly farm-sourced, Ben said. In other words, I'm not buying it through a third-party producer or butcher. Every piece has the farm's name on it. He continued, the consumer knows exactly where their piece of meat has come from and who raised it, and is entirely local from farms in Illinois, Indiana, Wisconsin. I'm not sourcing from Australia or Colorado even. The pasture picks boxes are designed to include a mix of meats and producers that will rotate monthly for variety and seasonality. Ben said there will be multiple farmers represented in every box and every month will be a new selection of different pieces. So it'll be a nice mix of staples like chuck or ground beef, but then premium cuts as well. He stated that fresh picks analysis shows its price per pound is less than the leading national meat shipping companies. Ben said this is in part because fresh picks delivers locally to homes in the Chicago area directly from its warehouse and packing facility in Niles, which in turn minimizes its carbon footprint. One of the advantages we have is we don't have 25 pounds of dry ice in a box that I'm shipping by FedEx, he said. It comes in, we pack it so it stays frozen, but it's delivered that day. So we have a simpler supply chain and a much smaller footprint to go with it. Finally, let's have a beer conversation. On Sunday of Memorial Day weekend, I attended Beer Festiversary, the annual festival presented by Beguile Brewing and Dovetail Brewery. The popular event, which returned last year after an unfortunate two-year COVID break, was held on and around Belle Plaine Avenue, the street that separates the neighboring breweries near the south end of what's become known as Malt Row for its concentration of beer and spirits makers. There were six food trucks on the site, along with other food stands. But I had learned before I left for the event that the Happy Lobster Truck was going to be serving there, so my course was set. I thoroughly enjoyed my lobster roll, washed down with a Dovetail Creek made with local, meaning Michigan, cherries. Dovetail is a master of fruited barrel-aged beer in the Belgian Lambique tradition. These beers are known as spawn beers for the spontaneous fermentation by wild yeast that occurs when the beer is left exposed in open tanks. Dovetail, which also turns out masterful renditions of German beer styles, had racks of barrels aging those fruit beers on its second level. If you visit, which I recommend, make sure you go upstairs where you can see the barrels and sip your beer in their beautiful event space. I also enjoyed a Dovetail Saison before I moved on with local food forum friends Amy Bartucci and Tim Magner to Beguile Brewing Steps Away, where I found an outstanding, juicy tangerine sour. Beguile also holds a sentimental place for me. It was one of the first breweries with which I connected to write freelance stories after Barb and I moved to Chicago. Beguile was nearly brand new and tiny when I first visited their building at, at 1800 West Kyler Avenue in August 2012. For my local food forum story, I dug through my photo archive and found a pic of the two little fermenters that made up the entire factory of the startup brewery. Today, their brew house is packed with big pieces of equipment that turn out a wide variety of beer styles. So cheers to Kevin Carey, co-founder and CEO of Beguile, and longtime president of the Illinois Craft Brewers Guild, with best wishes for continued success. That's it for episode three of Local Food Rules. Please check out the Local Food Forum newsletter at localfoodforum.substack.com slash. Consider subscribing so we can keep in touch between podcasts. 
Tell your friends and above all, buy local and help support our local farmers and food producers. Cheers from Chicago. 